0: You're listening to a sermon preached at Redeeming Life Church. Well, good evening. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Amen. As Pastor Brian mentioned earlier tonight, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 23. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like to invite you to go ahead and make your way there if you're not already holding on to that page. Luke 23, starting in the 32nd verse. If you're using one of those Red Pew Bibles nearby, we're going to be on page 938. Throughout our service tonight we have been reading about the final moments leading up to Christ's death. And now we're going to pick up the story in Luke 23. Luke 23 starting in the 32nd verse. It says two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one On the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because they do not know what they are doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching, and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself, if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him, this is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray this evening. Dear Lord, thank you so much that we have this opportunity to gather together, to remember the sacrifice that you made on the cross. Lord, I pray that this Good Friday we would leave changed. Lord, because of your word and because of what you've done for each and every one of us. I pray this evening you would open our minds and ears to hear from your word. Lord, use me to proclaim your word in the gospel this evening. May we remember the sacrifice that you made not just on Good Friday, but throughout the year. Lord, it is in your name we pray. Amen. Why is the story here? Well, why is this story here? When you think about all the events happening leading up to Christ's death, why does Luke record this story of two criminals being crucified with Christ? Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell of Jesus Christ being crucified between two criminals, one on one side and one on the other. Why is this important? With with everything they could have written about from that fateful night, why did they include this in the recap of what happened. Why is this portion of Scripture here, and, and what, or, or how can we learn from it? Well, as we spend some time this evening reflecting on Christ's life, and remembering the sacrifice that He made on the cross, I want us to really dive into this portion of text. I believe that the New Testament reader, or writers included this event, not only because that's what happened, but because I believe that We as readers can learn from this portion of Scripture. This evening, this Good Friday, as we spend time looking at Christ's final moments, I want you to see something important. We have been crucified with Christ. Tonight, I want you to see and to understand that just like these two criminals who hung on a cross alongside Jesus, that we too have been crucified with Christ. It's our sin that has nailed us there, and it's through Christ's sacrifice on the cross that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. Now, everyone loves a B story, right? Each one of us wants to ride ourselves into the biblical narrative. We all, we all want to be David. We want to be the hero. We want to be just like David and defeat the giants in our lives. We, we want to be like Joseph and get to rule over our brothers or be like Joshua and lead the victory in battle. We, we want to be like Elisha, be able to call bears out of the woods to maul all the kids that make fun of us for being bald. I, I don't. Some people probably do. I, I wouldn't be a good youth pastor if all my teenagers got mauled. You're okay. You can make fun of my male pattern baldness. We're cool. I'm not going to have any bears maul you, Daniel. Maybe. In other news, there's a next-gen camping trip coming up. Anyways, the point is we all have a tendency to place ourselves in the stories that we're reading. And while we weren't actually there that night, and while we weren't literally crucified with Christ that night, I I do want you to try to imagine what you would have done if you had been there that night. I, I know that's hard to imagine. Whenever I think about that night and reflect on what my Savior went through, it's hard to really think through everything. I, I just want to look away in my mind and, and try not to focus in on it. But I do often wonder, what would I have done? What would you have done? What would our actions have been that night? Would, would we have looked away? Would, would we have fought for him? Would we have run and, and hide? Or would we have been crucified, right alongside of him? Let's read that text again this evening, and and as we do, I I want you to think about who you are in that story. There's three main figures in that story, so before we do, I just want to tell you right now, you're not Jesus, so just eliminate that as an option. You got a 50-50 chance here tonight. I believe that each one of us can identify with at least one of these two criminals. So with that in mind, let's read this text together again tonight. Luke 23, starting in the 32nd verse says, two others, criminals, were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there. Along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because they do not know what they are doing. They divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching, and even the leaders were scoffing. He saved others. Let him save himself, if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was written above him, This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, Don't you even fear God, since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly, because we're getting back what we deserve for the things that we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise we have been crucified with Christ. Each one of us has been crucified with Christ. Each one of us at some point or another has been just like the criminals on the cross. The question is, which criminal are you? Which criminal are you? Are, Are you the criminal on the left mocking Jesus? Are you angry at him? Are you mad at him for where you are in life? For the things that have happened to you? It reminds me of the teenager that says he's got it all figured out. I'm almost 18, mom and dad. I've got this. I know what I'm doing. Then inevitably, when things go sideways, the the teenager looks at his parents and says, can't you fix this? Do something. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. There's so much hatred there. So much disdain, sarcasm, and, and anger How many of us have felt that at times? How many of us have felt that way towards God? Maybe that's even you tonight. Which criminal are you? Maybe you're the criminal on the right. Maybe your life is such a hot mess that you're not even going to fight anymore. You've spent your time fighting God. You've been that teenager who's got it all figured out. Except every time you, you think you've got it sorted out, it it just kind of blows up in your face. So you just give it up. You're, you're like the mouse stuck on that glue trap. You're hosed. You're not going anywhere. You nailed yourself to that cross and, and now you're stuck. You're like the criminal on the right that said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Because you know the only way that you're getting out of this train wreck is with help from God. Is that you tonight? Have you surrendered your life over to him and allowed him to call all the shots in your life? You see, the reality is, at the end of the day, we're we're both these criminals. At some point or another, we've been like both these criminals. And in the end, we're all guilty. That's the first point I want you to see tonight, is that we're all guilty. The criminal on the right understood that. Look at verse 40. Verse 40 says, Don't you even fear God since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things that we did. We are guilty, plain and simple. Just like these criminals, we've been found guilty. Now, the the Bible doesn't really tell us what these two guys have done, but you can believe it was serious. We don't know what the charges are that were brought against them, but we know they're guilty, and and we know it was serious. They don't just hang people for missing payments on your utility bills. This was serious. They were serious offenders. And as I was looking at the words that are used to describe these guys in Scripture, the most common was criminal, as listed here in the CSB. But I found other words, words like robber or thief. That's kind of what I grew up hearing. I heard that these guys were thieves. How about a malefactor or evildoers? One version called them a brigand, which I had to look up. says it's a member of a gang of robbers. Another one was a plunderer. You get the idea, right? They did the crime, and now they're doing the time. The most common word is criminal. These guys were criminals. And While Luke doesn't outline exactly what their charges are, we can rest assured that they were not upstanding citizens. These guys were downright guilty. As a result, they were sentenced to death. Just like these criminals, we are guilty. Just like them, we have been crucified with Christ. All of us have sinned. Every one of us here has sinned. You've sinned. I've sinned. Every one of us has sinned. We all have screwed up. Each one of us, every one of us in here has been like the criminal. I hate to break it to you, but you're a criminal. I'm a criminal work. We're all criminals because each one of us is guilty. And the crime, my friends, it's serious. I'm here to tell you that each one of us has committed high treason against the king. Every one of us is guilty of treason. At some point or another, we've all said, I don't need you. Each one of us has said things like, I can do it better. Or I want to do it my way. Each one of us has been like that spoiled teenager that says, I don't care about you. I don't care about what you want. I'm going to live my life my way. None of us want to submit to an authority other than our own. We tell ourselves that we are the ultimate authority in our lives. As a result... Each one of us is guilty of treason. Each one of us is guilty, and the sentence for each of us is death. All of us have sinned against our Creator and our God. Every one of us has said, I don't need you, and I don't want you. We've all done that with the very breath that he so freely gives us. We've all spit in his face. We've all mocked him. We've all belittled him. And we've all hurt him. Each one of us is guilty. Every one of us has been crucified with Christ. And it is our sin that has nailed us to the cross beside him. Each one of us deserves death. Each one of us deserves to be crucified with Christ. Not only has our sin put us there, but our sin has placed him there as well. It is our sin that has nailed the Savior to the cross. And the only difference is, where we are guilty, he is innocent. Where we are entirely to blame, he is completely blameless. And yet, there he is, nailed to a cross. Look at verse 41 again. It says, we are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things that we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. That's the second point I want you to see. We are guilty, but Christ is innocent. Christ is innocent. But wait, you're thinking, that doesn't make sense. If, if Christ is innocent, then, then why was he crucified? Why did Pilate sentence him to die? If he's innocent, what did he, why did he have to die? At the start of our service, Pastor Brian read Luke 23, 13, where we saw that Pilate was ready to let him go. So why was he crucified? Why did the people want him crucified? Well, as far as the people were concerned, he wasn't innocent. In their eyes, Jesus was the only, he was the one who was committing high treason. After all, Jesus went around saying that he was the king, How could he be the king if Caesar was the king? You can't have two kings. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters. If Jesus is king, then that means Caesar is not king. That's why they hung a sign above his head that read, This is the king of the Jews. They were mocking him, they were belittling him, they were hurling insults at him. They didn't believe he was the king any more than many of us do today. They didn't want him. They didn't need him. And they didn't believe him. Sound familiar? As far as they were concerned, he was committing treason for even suggesting that he was the king. Ironically, Pilate and everyone else was committing treason by executing him. Unfortunately, we too have committed treason because we crucified him as well. However, despite everything that we've done, despite the fact that we deserve to die, and Christ is not, there is hope. Scripture tells us that yet while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 6 through 10 states, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? At the end of the day, we're all guilty. When it's all said and done, we are criminals. We have all been like the criminal on the left. We've mocked, we've scoffed, and we've yelled at Jesus over our own sin. But if you're sitting here tonight and you're a Christian, then there's good news. Even though you've been found guilty, even though your sin has nailed you to a cross, just like the criminal on the right, you have been forgiven. Praise God. Now, if you're sitting here tonight and you're not a Christian, if you haven't surrendered your life over to Christ, you can do that right now. Everything can change right now. Just like the criminal on the right, you can say, Jesus, remember me. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The best part is when you ask God to forgive you, guess what? He does it. In that very moment, he does. Not because of who you are, but because of who he is, Christ's Forgiveness is immediate. God's forgiveness is instantaneous for those who accept his saving grace through Christ Jesus. Look at verse 43. Verse 43 says, And he said to him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's the third thing I want us to see tonight. When we repent, God's forgiveness is instant. God's forgiveness is instant. Instant. If you're sitting here today and you have not repented, you have not made the decision to quit living for yourself and to follow Christ, that can change today. This very second, the very second that we repent, Christ Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to pour out his mercy and grace upon us. We have been crucified with Christ. Each one of us has been crucified with Christ. But... If we repent, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Now the next part is what's really awesome. While we are still sinners, Christ intercedes for us. Look way up at the beginning at verse 34. This is the fourth point and final point I want us to see. While we are still sinners, Christ intercedes for us. Verse 34 says, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. How we are still sinners. Christ intercedes for us. Seven verses before the criminal asked for forgiveness, Christ was interceding for him. 2,000 years before you were even born, let alone asked for forgiveness, Christ was interceding for you. Christ was interceding for the criminal on the cross long before he asked for forgiveness. And Christ has been interceding for you too. You are not alone. We are unworthy, sure. We deserve death. And yet, Christ loves us enough to fight our battles and intercede for us. He is our advocate, He is our great high priest, He is our rescuer. He is our king. So just to recap, we have been crucified with Christ. We are all guilty. Even though we are guilty, Christ is innocent. And if or when we repent, God's forgiveness is instant. Because while we were still sinners, Christ intercedes for us. So in light of all of that, my challenge to you tonight is to live your life differently. We should live our lives different than the world. Let us live our lives differently because of the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross. Imagine, if you will, that you have been found guilty of treason against God. And as a result, the punishment is death. However, Before your sentence can even be carried out, someone stood in the gap and died for you, paying the price for your sins, so that you wouldn't have to die, but you could have eternal life. It shouldn't be hard for you to imagine because that is exactly what has happened. John 3.16 says that, For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Tonight, let us remember Christ's sacrifice on the cross and rejoice over his resurrection. Today and every day, may we live our lives differently because of the debt that Christ paid for each and everyone who believes. For those who believe in Christ Jesus, for those that have been redeemed by the power of the gospel, our charges of treason have been dropped, and our debt has been paid. Sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Tonight, darkness has covered the earth, but a new dawn is coming. Sorrow may last for an evening, but joy comes in the morning. Christ is returning for us one day. Christ defeated sin, hell, death, and the grave. And because he did, we can confidently say, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. Sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sorrow may last for a night but joy comes in the morning because you see it's Friday but Sunday's coming. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for being our rescuer. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us so that we could have eternal life. Lord, every day, for the Christian in Easter, and I pray that we would live our lives that way, that we would live our lives differently because of the sacrifice you've made on the cross for us. Thank you for interceding for us that while we were still enemies, you cared for us and you rescued us. May we never forget or never take lightly the sacrifice that you made for us so that we too could have eternal life. In your holy and precious name, Lord, we pray. Amen. We'd love to have you as our guest. For more information, visit RedeemingLifeUtah.org.